the process of hat-making explained with prefatory remarks etc etc by robert lloyd this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. turks are said to assign as a reason for not wearing hats that they are put together by witchcraft there is certainly a great deal of ingenuity in the practice and some effects produced whose causes as are yet unexplained but with all due deference to these turban gentlemen it is presumed that they have objections beyond what is above stated some of which are as follows first their country is destitute of the most essential material fur second the climate being extremely sultry stoves irons and scalding water are not likely to become favorites thirdly being compelled by their religion to keep their heads close shaved a hat above all human inventions would be the most ridiculous covering they could adopt there are many opinions as to the time hats were first invented and very probably all equally erroneous some carry the date as far back as the foundation of christianity attributing the merit to saint luke of whom it is said that he having tender feet put a layer of hair or fur between them and his sandals in which situation friction and moisture caused such an interweaving of particles that the whole became strongly united or technically called felted whether the story as applied to luke be true or false is immaterial but that such did happen with some one is very likely nor is it at all unlikely but that an occurrence of this kind did really give the first idea of hat-making having remarked thus much i shall next proceed to state what is not the less true than surprising which is that of the various branches of manufacture which this country is so highly distinguished for none are less understood than hat-making nay there is not one person in fifty who if he were asked the question could tell whether a hat was or was not a woven substance nor is there one in five hundred but what suppose that the skin of a hare or rabbit is worked with the fur attached to it as in the natural state and to form a correct judgment of the external material when manufactured whether it be hair wool or beaver although many pretend none are really competent but those experienced in the trade to show the absurd notions some entertain on this matter i state as a fact that i do not know a manufacturer or seller in the trade but what has been applied to by some one or other to have a beaver hat made from a hare's skin nay i remember once offending a very good customer and a man not wanting for sense either by an involuntary burst of laughter on his presenting the skin of a french lap-dog for the very same purpose it is no uncommon thing for persons who are on pretty good terms with their capabilities to give opinions as to the merits or demerits of a hat which opinions are as opposite to the true state of the case as the sun's rays to the state of darkness i shall give an instance although a trifling one of a very common air among persons who suppose themselves to have a knowledge of the subject which is this if the picker has not a very good eye some of the larger hairs will be left in the hat and consequently the most visible these are directly termed gray hairs 
when the truth is that they are the blackest in the whole composition but being thicker than the general mass they receive a greater portion of light which is mistaken for a gray color an easy method of proving the fact is to pull one of these gray hairs from the hat and place it on a piece of white paper the contrast will decide the question again whatever produces a glutinization of the nap is said to be the effect of the stiffening this is not true in every case for it is frequently owing to improper management in placing the hat when wet before a large fire which should never be done the better way is if very wet to hang it up without brushing or wiping and when dry it is easily put to rights by gently passing over a clothes brush if only slightly wet wipe it with a handkerchief and when dry it will brush clean but the great fault with most persons is to put on their hats day after day in the same dirty state as when taken off at night from which it is natural to infer that there must be a vast accumulation of dirt it is this dirt when exposed to the rain that forms a sort of cement or paste having all the appearance of what is commonly called gum another proof of erroneous judgment profuse perspiration of the head is what many are subject to by reason of which from the frequency of wearing and the porosity of the hat there is a continual absorption of moisture going on until it becomes completely saturated particularly in the front the consequence is that the nap lies buried in a greasy matter which matter is also but very inappropriately termed gum or stiffening when in point of fact it is neither for the very same effect would under the like circumstances be produced and in much less time if the hat were not stiffened at all the best remedy for this is a piece of thin flannel under the leather and that frequently changed there is nothing so detrimental to a hat as a severe exposure to rain on the first second or even third time of wearing for this reason the materials wherewith it is composed are in a manner quite green and require seasoning to effect which it should be frequently put on in dry weather i have always found that a hat constantly worn for five or six weeks without being wet underwent every sort of hardship afterwards with little or no injury retaining at the same time its beauty form and wearing three times longer than it otherwise would have done it may be asked why not to prevent accidents render the hat waterproof that is impervious to the action of either atmosphere or rain the thing is easy enough i admit but where there is a choice of only two evils it is always best to select the least we all know or should know that if a man were to enclose himself arms legs and body in what is called an oilskin dress and that drawn close round the neck the whole tightly fitted to every part of his person as a hat is to the head the most unpleasant consequences would ensue the cause why is obviously this the exhalations of the body particularly in a state of exertion would when so enclosed be either prevented from flying off as nature requires or otherwise checked altogether precisely so with the head if the porosity of the hat was destroyed which it must be to resist effectually the action of water this deduction must be so clear and self-evident that further reasoning is unnecessary 
another great objection against waterproof hats is that the ingredients made use of for such purposes when exposed to the sun's heat are so acted upon as to cause a decomposition of the color and nine times in ten the hat before it is half worn out becomes anything but what it was meant to be it is astonishing to hear the number of qualifications a hat is said to have and each as opposite to the other as it is possible for any two things to be some for instance maintain that it cannot be good unless it is light others again will decidedly condemn it for being so insisting that the chief recommendation is its being firm and stout all that is requisite to be observed on this is that weight has no more to do with the quality of a hat than the situation of prime minister has to do with the cramming of turkeys a very inferior hat may be made equally light with the most superior and in both cases the cost of manufacture will be less than if they were made stout the length of the beaver too is another point on which the difference of opinion is often experienced many are for very short naps declaring all others to be outrageously vulgar but the majority of wearers seem best pleased with long naps which always take and retain the best black while on the contrary those that are very short never do a medium between the two is the most preferable having stated thus much i shall next proceed to explain in what way a fine hat is made describing as accurately as possible the various processes it undergoes as also the materials with which it is composed the proportions of each as well as the quantity of work a man is capable of doing whether maker or finisher in a week the amount of wages together with some of the curious regulations bylaws etc 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 in the first place as i shall have occasion to mention a few of the implements by name a short description of them may not be amiss there is the bow which in form is not unlike what is used for playing a double bass but in length and thickness is equal to a constable's staff there is a bridge at each end from one to the other of which is tightly strung a stout line of catgut the hurdle is situated in what is called the bow garret and is a sort of table on which the fur is bowed or mixed having the farther end and sides enclosed to prevent the material from being blown away the battery is somewhat like the hopper of a mill in this is contained the hot liquor and is mostly constructed for eight men round which they stand when making the lower part is lead the upper or working part mahogany all batteries are formed into divisions called planks one of which is allotted to each man there are many other little things used by makers but these three are all that deserve particular notice the first thing a maker looks for in the morning is the fur or raw material which is furnished to him by weight the quantity being more or less according to the substance of the hat required and is in two parcels one of which contains the beaver or napping the other the body a proportionate scale of both will be seen hereafter thus provided he takes it to the bow garret the materials for the body are first placed on the hurdle and the bow being hung at the centre for support is held in the left hand horizontally so that the catgut may come in contact with the fur in the right hand is placed a small piece of stick with a nut at the end 
and in this position the work begins after the following manner the catgut of the bow being first placed in the midst of the fur is pulled or struck with the knotted stick which produces from a quick repetition of the stroke a continued vibration this vibration it is that causes a separation or flitting of the fur at the same time mixing and cleansing it this operation is continued until such ends are fully attained it is next divided into halves one of which is laid aside and the other again bowed over in this second operation the workman contrives partly by bowing and partly by a slight wicker frame to bring the material into an oblong form and equal in size to a larger sheet of cartridge paper this is called a bat and when done it is gently pressed down by the wicker after which a damp linen cloth is laid all over and on this again is placed a thick piece of dry horsehide the workman now begins to press hard on the hide for about five minutes in the doing this the fur adheres close to the damp cloth into which it is doubled up and once more undergoes the pressure of the hand under this operation which is called basining the bat becomes consolidated and may be thrown when taken out of the cloth from one end of the garret to the other without injury the second half is next bowed formed into a bat and basined as the first this half remains on the hurdle and a piece of paper somewhat conical is placed on it over which and agreeable to the shape the sides of the bat are doubled here then is formed one half of the body this is laid aside and the first bat is then put flat on the hurdle on which the one previously doubled is placed with its open part downwards the lower bat being transversely doubled over the top hat forms a sort of conical or harlequin's cap in this state it is once more put into the damp cloth where it receives another hardening for the purpose of uniting or knitting both bats together after this it is folded into the compass of two hands ready for the plank the next thing is the beaver or covering which is bowed in form to correspond with the body but has nothing to do with it at this stage matters being completed thus far this is called the first process of hat making the second commences as follows the workman having gone from the bow garret to the making shop takes his stand at the battery under which is a fire for the purpose of heating the liquor footnote the liquor which is always kept up to scalding heat is nothing more than clean soft water with a wine glass of vitriol and a small quantity of beer dregs thrown in the first is to shrink the body of the hat in working the other to destroy the pernicious effects of the vitriol End footnote. into this hot liquor the body is quickly immersed where it remains till soaked through it is afterwards laid on the plank to drain and cool this done it is unfolded gently rolled turned at short intervals in every direction to prevent the sides uniting together and as the liquor becomes cold and rolled out it is continually supplied with hot and fresh by the sprinkling of a brush which is dipped in a kettle for that purpose under this operation assisted by the astringency of the vitriol the body shrinks and begins to assume a tough substance when it has shrunk to a certain size say three-fifths if to be double covered it is laid flat on the plank and the first coat of beaver as it comes from the bow is laid quite over it the brush is now dipped into the hot liquor 
the contents of which is sprinkled all over the beaver directly afterwards it is gently patted down with the hot brush here the body is put into a hair cloth rolled in hot liquor turned inside out rolled again until the beaver is completely worked into the body when this is effected it is in a fit state to receive the second covering which is put on as the first the working turning patting and rolling still continuing until it is reduced to a fit dimension the beaver quite clean and altogether assuming a closely felted fine solid piece of workmanship after which it is immediately blocked in this same liquor to the size wanted and put into a stove to dry from whence it is taken and with a small fine card the beaver is gently raised without this one half would lie buried and the beauty lost here then is the complete process of hat making it is next sent to the dyer from whom it passes to the finisher who after stiffening blocking and half finishing sends it to be picked which is performed by a woman whose place it is to pull out the kemps or thick hairs without injuring the beaver although that is not always accomplished footnote it has frequently been asked why not make a hat with beaver only the answer is there is not sufficient stamina or strength in it to become a sound felted substance it would be worse than building a brick house without mortar or some sort of cement to bind the whole together End footnote. from the picker it returns to the finisher who by the iron and velvet cushion gives it those highly brilliant and admired beauties that an english hat is so pre-eminently distinguished for the shaper next takes it in hand who is guided in his operations by the fancy of the wearer if bespoke which is sometimes a little whimsical after shaping it goes to the trimmer from whom it is returned to the tipper off he gets it ready for the wearing it is then sent to its destination when the master if he is fortunate puts the amount into his pocket footnote some have payment beforehand which brings out the following old but very foolish saying there are but two bad paymasters he who pays beforehand and he who never pays how the latter can be a paymaster requires some little ingenuity to determine End footnote end of the process of hat making explained with prefatory remarks etc etc by robert lloyd read by phil schampf